La mia focaccia non ha una ricetta come viene viene. And welcome Sir. to Shift F1, a podcast about speedy race cars. Yes, Danny? Sir, this is a Denny's. <laughs> I, I, you're going to have to say that in English. Uh, well, that's Italian for my focaccia doesn't have a recipe. However, it comes out, it comes out. Okay. Uh, which is roughly analogous to let's see how it goes. We are still seeing how the whole sprint thing goes, everyone. Uh, we will have much more to say about that later in the episode. I'm Drew Scanlon. Joining me, Danny O'Dwyer. How are you, Danny? I'm doing good. Always nice to be back at Imola. It's always one of those races where you're like, this feels like it should be boring because it's kind of a not that crazy a track, but it always seems to produce something for us to talk about. And we've kind of two races to talk about in a way, although technically one of them's something that's not a race, I think. I don't know. I've stopped caring. <laughs> also joining us, Rob Zachney. How are you, Rob? Not bad. Uh, you know, enjoyed parts of this racing weekend. Also, I find myself falling asleep uh, at, mm. at, at points. Uh, Imola is a land of contrasts. It sure is. Uh, if you're new to this podcast, a very warm welcome to you. And if you're new to Formula One itself, we recommend listening to our preseason primer episode. It assumes no prior F1 knowledge and explains how the sport works and who everybody is. So if you'd like to go back and listen to that, it's episode 178. Then come back and join us up here. Uh, also, this show is supported entirely by our audience over at patreon.com slash shiftf1, where every month we release bonus podcasts and videos exclusively for our patrons that cover racing documentaries and films, F1 video games, experiments with other racing series, and a lot of weird things. So if you'd like to support the show and get access to all of that fun stuff, head over to patreon.com slash shiftf1 or click the link in the show notes what is going on over in patreon land this month danny yeah nothing to report on the new content side it is the last week of the month so we'll be back in uh, in a couple of weeks with some news about what our next podcast is going to be and what's coming up in video stuff uh, but of course thank you once again to all of our incredible title sponsors ash talking autos tanner mccleave bulgarian bomb bomb mickey's 0.0 at nf1t underscore nfts Olivia Evans, Team Blackjack, Christian Horner, Pyrites Card Castle, Erica Siegel, Iron Station Studios, Alan McCreary, McCreary, sorry, Alan, TelemetryDeck.com, Gnarly Ghost, David Mule, Drew Stewart, Big Promble Motorsports, Bailey Foot, Abdullah Althani, Jason Chadwick, Abraham Getchell, Bunny Thorpe, TechPod Crimes. Aha. Aha. Somebody has. We have uh, we have cross pollination exactly. Uh, Snigs, Alex Goucher, Reagan, Max Valtar, Circuit Demon, Troy Stammer, Umberto Roca, William Romph, Jason Kelly. Thank you all so much, and uh, hello to all of our listeners from Miami who are listening into this podcast for the very first time to know see what the hell is going on in town right now. <laughs> I'm, yes. I have questions about what the hell is going on with them building a fake marina. Oh my uh, god. Did you see oh that picture? My yeah. god. Oh Drew, my you, god. Did, they are Have you seen this Drew? Yes, yes I have. I am I'll put a link in the show notes. It's tremendous. It's amazing. Like it this is This is so good. My, Could you explain this my, for the, my fake marina uh, <laughs> that I built in the parking lot of Hard Rock Stadium <laughs> is raising a lot of questions about my racetrack, my parking lot racetrack already answered <laughs> by my fake marina. Yeah. Uh, what's more Miami than fake boats? Like, I swear to God, it's like, you know, those like dummy armies they build during World War Two to like yeah. spoof recon planes and shit. Yeah. F1 is just doing that to make it look like this race is happening like in South Beach or something when in fact again 
famously, it's a parking wow. lot. And they're even doing yeah. like the fucking Abu Dhabi, uh, you know, bright like aquamarine like uh painted like runoff areas to again like you know it's all nautical themed and such and like everything about this is just set like you know what set set dressing can do wonders i have nothing but respect for that i really am curious if this ends up like successfully giving this place like a sense of character uh or if it is just the cringiest attempt to match the like, fact like, what? like like a mini golf I, I, tournament i am the small girl standing on the shoulder saying why not both because it's just like like i am 100% okay with not just them like doing like like you said giving what is essentially going to be like the most boring parking lot race it's such a bad look like the carping the the parking lot races i are are like i think of like year one formula e stuff where like you're like oh you really you really tries to squeeze the track here (laughs) it doesn't really work (laughs) so i'm like i'm all for them doing it and also there's something so gauche about it that totally vibes with miami it's like if they did this in brussels it wouldn't have worked but i think it's like thematically actually on point that is the thing on the one hand it's like this is atrocious on the other hand it is the most miami like aspect of this entire thing because like it's it's all like man we sure we sure maybe oversold the glamour of this location (laughs) Eh, fuck it you know what we'll pretend we're near the beach and it's like this is how literally thousands of vacations over the years have probably also gone horribly awry you know you get you read the brochure you show up and it's like this is just a trailer park and it's like no but it's a trailer park within a mile of highway highway driving of the beach all i want is for like the the like markers like the 50 foot 100 foot markers just to have those like flamingo lawn like yes. things on you know just like like i'm to paint a picture if people haven't seen this image um which is really something and 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 rob basically explained it we have the like painted runoff and everything and there's basically sort of a fake like currently dry dock with boats it looks like an empty <laughs> swimming pool with boats yes. with boats with large boats presumably owned by actual people uh, which oh, they I are, could make a, are they real boats or are they like I, frames or are they boats on I, trailers Oh, and see, now I'm going to have to look again. At, at, fr- at first glance, they were real boats, so they, whatever was going like, on, To they me, were it doing looked like the-, the entire thing was just Potemkin to, okay. like, foil uh, the German bombers uh, <laughs> who were trying to figure out where you're going to be going across the channel. <laughs> like, I wonder if it's going to, like... So they're presumably going to fill that whole thing with water. Well, so- I see, here's what I hope, and they're not going to, I think they're, they are going to try to fill it with water, but what I hope they do is, like, instead of water, they put, like, wavy plastic, like you yes. would if you were building yes. a model, yes. and then oh. have a, like, have a party in the infield uh, and and amongst all of those boats. Like, you get to walk on, on the plastic, right? That okay, at yeah, least would yeah, be like you can't sink into we're not it really trying to fool you. Yeah, right. we're, we're just like this is this is just an effect here. Oh right, I, hear I what don't you're think saying. that's what's gonna. I think they're actually gonna try to make it look like oh no, it's the Marina. How strong? I mean, it's the inside wall of that turn, so you'd really want to have a weird crash to have somebody hit it with any speed. But it does add a oh sort of an extra flavor of danger that like you're sort of driving alongside this. It's uh, like huge fish tank that yeah when an above ground pool you know ruptures or like that scene in mission impossible with the the gum on the glass 
Right. See this, and now, and now you actually have me hoping that they're going to do exactly something that's dumb, where they do the above ground pool thing, and like, I think it would be great if we have an honest to god disaster at an F one race that is in no way tragic, but it's just hysterically funny. Yeah. Right. That like, like all the cars get flopping soaked. around. Like the race is canceled. <laughs> uh, it is just like everyone now is wading around like ankle deep water because they're fake. Their their fake fish tank like ruptured, uh, and and spread all over the track. That'd be that'd be great. Um, the I only thing know what else they're doing as well. They should have just contracted with Jimmy Buffett's Margaritaville company and just yeah. like had him build like you know build a little tropical paradise in that in that infield. Yeah, have You've the McElroys it. interview all the drivers. Yeah, they need to lean into it because especially with this Vegas track, right? They need to find their own identity and yes. like if if that means. Yeah, just having like AstroTurf with with flamingos and like just like a gator pool, just like a chicane. But like, if you skip the chicane, you end up in like a like a gator pool. Animatronic yeah, highlight players. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, I, I like it's it's great. It's it's atrocious. I can't wait. I'm I'm so yeah. excited. Uh, we have a lot to get to here because uh, we've got qualifying, we've got a sprint, we got a race, we got news. So let's just kick it off. Kind of a zany qualifying session due to some changing weather conditions in Emilia Romana. Uh, mm. Practice was also rainy. And remember, they only get one practice before qualifying since this is a sprint weekend. We go practice, qualifying, uh, and then practice again, and then the sprint. So the mm. sp- after qualifying, the sprint grid looks like this. Max Verstappen... Uh, pole position for the sprint. Uh, and incredibly, his time was set on a lap where he had to slow for a yellow flag. Yeah. That part was, was wild. Yeah. And he did slow. Oh, yeah. He, he did. did. He did lift. Leclerc had basically, cause, because it was they it was just a red flag bonanza. So they kept... Oh, I think there were four? Yeah. So Leclerc basically had done like, he said he had done a lap. He'd aborted his second lap because he wanted to get enough tires in for the, or uh, wet, uh, heating the tires for for uh, laps three and four. So basically it was like a non-finish, you know, an unoptimal lap to put him in, in second. Yeah. But what kept happening was a red flag. Someone would skid off, a red flag would come out and then the weather would change. Yeah. Uh, so it was just, you couldn't, you like, you can't plan to do four laps at that point, right? Um, yeah. But yeah, Charlotte Claret qualified uh, in second for this. This is again for the sprint. Uh, Lando Norris in third and Kevin Magnuson yeah. in fourth place, uh, tying his uh, best own qualifying and setting Haas's best qualifying ever. He narrowly escaped disaster in Q3 after almost getting stuck in the gravel, but uh, kept his tires moving, managed to escape uh via an escape road where he could three-point turn out of there uh but way to go gotta love the rain uh fernando Alonso lines up in fifth followed by daniel ricardo sergio perez valtteri botas sebastian vettel and carlos Sainz in 10th yeah. he did not set a time in q3 um was doing really really well in qualifying but he went off in q2 and beached himself in the gravel uh he just lost it on the the slick paint um, between turns 17 and 18, a.k.a. Rivazza, uh, bringing out, again, one of those four red flags. Wonder uh, if it's so harder, doing, sorry, I wonder if it's harder for them to get the cars out of the gravel with all the weight this year. Like, Because I'm seeing a lot of it. Well, where So 
but also they made gravel such a rare thing now at so many F1 tracks that I, I think we just forget <laughs> Science how... keeps finding it. <laughs> yeah, but like, you know, we forget how often cars just beast routinely in the 90s right. when there was way more gravel. Yeah, no, totally. Uh, and so yeah. like this is just this is just how it goes. Unless you are really lucky and you kind of skitter the surface, the minute those rears get a little bit deep mm. and they're they're still driving power, you're done. And yeah, he just it was real on un- real unlucky. Um, by the way, I I really enjoy having Paul Deresta um, doing commentary. Uh, yeah, for, he was great. Guy, he's he's terrific. But one thing I note is he has such a he know like he understood where science had lost it way before I could really see it because to me it looks like the car seems to be perfectly under control, and Deresta's like, no, it's gone, and <laughs> then you see the 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 back step out, but like it is. The difference between like how an how an F one driver sees the situation, I think, versus a, yeah, a a novice, where it's like no, the minute just just on that corner exit, as he begins to get power down, uh, you know, he's a dead man driving basically. <laughs> well, yeah, the uh, red flag for Carlos signs allowed the rain to come in, meaning that when we restarted, no one could improve on their already set q2 time uh george russell was one of those ones who was an, unable to improve um and with hamilton down in 13th mercedes misses q3 for the first time since the japanese grand prix in 2012 whoa uh mick go. schumacher lines up between them in 12th place lewis hamilton in 13th only got through to q2 by the way by four thousandths of a second uh, Zhou Guan Yu is in 14th, Lance Stroll in 15th, and we've got Yuki Tsunoda, Pierre Gasly, Nicholas Latifi, Esteban Ocon, and in last place, Alex Albon, who did not set a qualifying time because his gr- brakes caught fire and literally exploded. Yeah, it was that was wild. Part, that was, like, I can't think of just a... It just exploded. It blew up like a firecracker. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and you, you, you see, don't want to like, see that. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, you, I, I was trying to think, like, I can't remember seeing this happen before. Like, brakes well, catch it, fire, <laughs> but, like, the entire the entire thing just exploding? That's yeah. new to me. Well, it reminded me a little bit of, I think it's Jean-Eric Verne in his Toro Rosso, where, um, I will put this in the show notes, too. It's one of my favorite clips. When uh, the he, wheels he, came off? Yeah, he literally <laughs> hits the brakes and his two front wheels explode <laughs> off of his car. <laughs> like it's like a it's like it's like watching it, it has the same sort of like motion as a uh jet pilot ejecting from their car where it, yeah. it looks but so choreographed with the wheels just perfectly <laughs> pop off at the same time it's like a naked gun movie or something like the yeah. comedic timing is very good on it um yeah. all right so that is the grid for the race i'm sorry the sprint race yeah um uh, Danny, do you want to take us through the start here, or should I just plow through uh, I can, my notes? I can, I can do it at least the, okay. the first, the first lap or so. So Leclerc um, got a great start. Verstappen did not, um, and Perez also had a, a good start and got past Ricardo. So it was a, it was a terrific um, sort of. Uh, uh, People could say resetting of the, the the field, maybe, which is maybe we'll talk about later with regards to um, the sprint race. But uh, uh, Guan Yu was the only was the main sort of victim in that first lap. Um, uh, he crashed. He kind of tried to read. Gasly was coming around him, and or, or Joe was kind of in a spot where he needed to be leaving more space, and he got his rear left tagged and, and spun around basically, um, which meant that we had a safety car for the first four laps. 
Yeah. Uh, Magnuson also got dinged for weaving. Who it looked like yeah. he was trying to get his tires warm, but you know, wrong time to do it on like the you know the fourth turn or whatever, uh, and got a black and white flag, yeah. which is rare. But I wonder if we'll be seeing more of those uh, this season from this new race control paradigm. I bet so. Yeah, just based on the way they communicate, they're not, they're trying they're trying to minimize that like specific driver radio com, and it you know does the job. Like it, yeah. it, it's, it's effectively it's, the same thing. Like, Black and white again. basically means you're yeah you're you're this is your last warning for We're watching what you just yeah. did yeah yeah uh, but yeah the safety car comes out for Joe and restarts on lap five the kind of the story of the sprint is Carlos signs starting in tenth and picking his way through the field and indeed he gets Alonso into the first chicane on lap seven for seventh place. And by the way, since this, we're still early in the season, if uh, you're new to this, a chicane is a quick uh, turn one way and then immediate turn the other way. So it's kind of a, a zigzag. Yeah, there is no closing of the first apex. It turns into another turn. It doesn't yeah. go to a straight. Uh, or, a, or a kink in the, uh, yeah. in the track. Um, Magnuson, though, is moving in the opposite direction. After yeah. Haas decided to start their cars on medium tires rather than softs like everyone else, uh, he just did not seem to get them switched on uh, and ended the day in eighth place. You you kind of see, you know, from teams will, you know, go through practice and qualifying, kind of determine like what tire their car seems to do the best on. I don't know how Haas could have done that because practice was, was wet. Uh, or I guess maybe... Practice two was a little drier. I and, don't know. Yeah. But. And for both strategies, for both races, if I'm allowed to say that, <laughs> the sprint and the race, they um, opted to go for a counter strategy to everyone else, um, which was probably a good idea had they not found themselves in such an advantageous grid spot. Maybe, well, you know, well, maybe, yeah. maybe just stick to what everyone else is doing just in case, because you don't yeah. need to, you know, work outside the box. Um, you know, hindsight bias is, is strong, but... Yeah, the, the end of Sprint really felt like, uh, and it's one of the criticism of, that some people have been saying about the Sprint race, which I'm sure we can talk about afterwards, which is that, like you said, the two stories of it was signs getting back where he should be and Magnuson being put back where he should be, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, with the only real victim being Joe. Uh, what was cool, though, was seeing Leclerc and Verstappen um, have a little fight there. And actually, I think they said it was the... The first pass for the lead in the history of sprint races yeah. in F1. Which I, I don't know if you really want to be calling that out there at Crofty, but, you know, who knows. But yeah, I guess uh, the, signs, the first pass for the lead was actually on the first lap, maybe. Well, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, Botas I mean, also, it does, but you could also say it's, it's vindication of the aero package, right? That the person leading in clear air no longer just like, drives away disappears uh, yeah the way the way they used to uh but it was it was cool seeing that overtake but overall i thought the sprint race is kind of a snoozer um yeah, yeah. like with the exception the, of the, the overtake was good the start and the overtake uh it was it was kind of uh it was not engaging i sort of suspected imola would go this way um and indeed i'm just relieved it didn't have tons of red flags because after quality i was fully prepared for like we're gonna get like you know, this entire weekend we're gonna get like thirty laps under green. Maybe. Mate, did you watch? Did either of you watch any of the F two or F three no. races? It was just like calamitous. The amount of cars drive getting off the the track, or there was flags, sure, but just also just like cars getting beached, unforced errors, leaders going just spinning. It was just like 
nonsense. I would recommend people go check out the YouTube videos. Uh, the highlight packages for those are great. They're like under 10 minutes. Um, F2 and F3 uh, had two races each this uh, weekend. So there was tons of racing. Um, but uh, yeah, a, a few other moves in the in the field. You know, signs getting past Magnussen and Ricardo. Mm. Um, Botas getting by Alonso with a great drag race down the, awesome. the main straight in a, a late breaking contest into the first chicane. That is the Botas that I know and love. And those, and you can just that see. We never really we got s- to see. In yeah. And, and you can, you can see the, we talked about it last week, right? Where the Russell Bottas overtake, the Verstappen Hamilton overtake going into the new Tamborello. I shouldn't stop saying new. It's been whatever, 20 years, but the Tamborello section as it is now. Last year was this break as late as you can and drive the other person off the road because yeah. there's nowhere to do it. And this year, the overtakes weren't, like we can talk about the DRS and the race and how that changed it, but like we were seeing a lot of these really cool, like late breaking and attempting not just to hit that first turn, but would, they were doing it with enough speed where it was also will they do well out of the second into the second turn. So it was it, like the sweet spot was there. At least on yeah. that turn, these cars were great. And I think it's it's exemplified by Verstappen, who who you know had all these crazy borderline moves last year with with Hamilton, especially. And, and you kind of had to do that with those old cars, just like yeah. throw them in and pray. But here we got to see, you know, uh, you know, in his move on Leclerc, uh, it's it you could see the skill that he that it took to keep his car on the track and get the move done. And I just I I yeah, that's that's what I want to see. Not you know this. It's crazy, like, uh, he cut the corner, so does he get the place? I don't know. That's, it's, that yeah, annoying. It, I will put my hand on my heart and say, I'll put my hand up and say, it's definitely giving me deeper context for what was going on last year with some of those yeah. overtakes, where it's like, yeah. maybe these were the only way you could kind of do it. Yeah. Well, the top eight now uh, get points from the sprint, and uh, those top eight are... So this is this is also this is the finish of the sprint and the grid for the race because that's how that works. Uh, <laughs> Max Verstappen finished the sprint first and will start in pole position for the race. Uh, Charles Leclerc in second, Sergio Perez in third, Carlos Sainz made up the fourth place. Nice. Then we've got Lando Norris, Daniel Ricciardo, the two McLaren boys, uh, Valtteri Bottas in seventh, Kevin Magnussen in eighth. Fernando Alonso in ninth, and Mick Schumacher starting 10th. George Russell in 11th, followed by Yuki Tsunoda, Sebastian Vettel, Lewis Hamilton in 14th. Uh, Lance Stroll, Esteban Ocon, Pierre Gasly, Alex Albon, Nicholas Latifi, and then Joe Guanyu will start from the pit lane after his car was modified under Park Ferme conditions. Um, But yeah, that's, that's the sprint, and I... I completely agree with the reshuffling notion that, that that the sprint completely undoes anything interesting that happened in qualifying because your fast cars just get to where they're supposed to be. Uh, every car gets to where they're supposed to be. And so I to soothe myself, this is now how I'm thinking of the sprint. Okay. It is merely the first 20 laps of a long race mm-hmm. with a red flag in the middle. <laughs> like, okay this is just yeah. one big race can i can i play devil's advocate sure for the sprint so had we had a normal race weekend first of all friday probably wouldn't watch anything 
because it's practice and I watch practice fairly often. Usually after the fact, usually just the highlights. Don't tend to always sit down and watch, especially for these early races. Had qualifying happened on Saturday, we wouldn't have had anything near the weirdness of the grid in the first place. So in a way, maybe it reset itself, but at least we had a situation where you did have cars out of position for this sprint, which maybe they're more out of position for the race. I'm not quite sure. But you get maybe, all the fun stuff where where it doesn't matter as much. It you're True, but only because the race, the sprint race didn't provide any anything interesting to happen but something interesting could have happened like it without the sprint race nothing interesting will happen on the saturday but with the sprint race there's the possibility for something to happen um i don't know we we sort of have all come to understand that people are you know conservative when it comes to the sprint race uh because they don't want to end up like joe guan yu basically and and bidding the car and just like basically as if your car didn't turn up for qualifying but the possibility space that exists on that Saturday is way broader because we have this race. So, like, I don't, I, I, I've heard a lot of people saying that, like, we should get rid of the sprints because they reset the race and because they do all this sort of stuff and yada, yada, yada. I do think it makes the weekend more interesting. I think it gets people to watch on Saturday who don't usually watch qualifying. Well, that's it, certainly true. It definitely gets people to watch on a Friday who wouldn't have watched on a, on a Saturday. And... Maybe the format of the sprint should be tweaked a little bit or changed a little bit, but I I don't also don't agree whole cloth with the idea that we should bin them because I don't because I think that there's something here that 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 is interesting. I think like I I look at it and F one is a sport that like there's a lot left to chance, and I think like we're going to have sprint races where like that was an amazing sprint race. Does it prove the format is good? Probably not, because amazing things can happen in a variety of, of circumstances. Uh, and slightly duller ones don't. I do, like, for me, I think one thing I, I am unsure how I feel about is, here's a case where the sprint race allowed, for instance, a ton of damage limitation for Ferrari um, yeah. that otherwise they wouldn't have had access to. And I'm of two minds. Like, on the one hand, it's, again, like some of the vagaries of how points, like, come in bunches in F1 that can really like turn the tables, uh, especially like, you know, near the top or the, or the middle of the pack um, where it can sort of recast uh, the way it can, and it can recast the way these, these, uh, you know, contests look on the other hand, uh, you know, to, to Drew's point again, it does sort of make sure that like leading teams are guaranteed to get something uh, for being a leading team. Um, as they sort of claw their way forward. So, uh, yeah, I, I think I, I think Imola is always going to be a, a tough lab for the sprint format. Um, but yeah, I, I I don't come away feeling one way or the other about it right now. Um, I, I think mostly it's if it helps, especially some of the old classic venues stay financially viable. Um, mm. then like I'm all for it. Um, if it's not accomplishing that and all it's really doing is like adding more wear and tear on teams that are already kind of stretched the breaking limit, uh, with this, with this calendar, then I don't know if it's worth it. Uh, but from the contest standpoint, I think it's probably net neutral. You know, sometimes it works out really well. Sometimes it's just kind of a mediocre appetizer. 
if you were going to Miami, the closest race to you, uh, would you want the, if you had your druthers, would you prefer it to be a sprint race, uh, a sprint weekend or a traditional F1 weekend? I'd probably prefer it to be a sprint weekend. Like I would probably be more interested in like it would make to your point. I am not sure I'm going to go for that much of Friday. If any, you know what I mean? Especially if I go to these things regularly, right? I'm just yeah. not sure I'm going to make it, but like if quality's on Friday and then like suddenly I'm there all three days, um, making a point to be there. So I think that does change it. I can, I can see why, where they've already talked about next year having more sprint races like if you were a venue like imagine that knowing that because i i I suspect that you are in the majority there right most people would so it makes sense that like at least on the commercial side people want to do it but yeah i don't i'm not i'm not necessarily a purist wants to get rid of these sprint races because of all the negative side of it i do see a positive to it but like we've kind of said for the this is the third year we've been doing them in some respect right is this or, or only the second? I, I forget. Last year's the first. Was last year the first? And we just did the three races. So, yeah, I guess maybe it's early on in it. But yeah, I think the added points at least has added a bit more spice to it, which I which I like. Although it is to Rob's point, it is that there is an element of the richer are getting richer and the poorer are getting poorer with regards to that because the top eight teams is you yeah. know it's not our positions rather. Yeah. Well, I'm sure our opinions will continue to evolve uh, over the course of this, as indeed the sprints will. Hey, let um, us know. Pod, uh, shift F1 podcast at gmail.com or F1.cool slash emails. We'll be chatting about it next week with emails. So <laughs> let us know what you think. Uh, but let's get to the real race, everyone. Wet start. Everybody on intermediate tires. Danny, mm. can you take us through the start? Every- yes, we are. We are starting in the, in the wet. Like you said, it's been a sloppy race for a couple of people in the other divisions as well. So I'm very interested in this one. Uh, Leclerc has a rotter of a start having had a great start and beating Verstappen to uh, turn one in the sprint a rotter is bad a rotter a dir- yeah rotting like rotten dirty rotter it's, r- it's as damp as an otter's pocket on this track and he's had a rotter of a start um, <laughs> uh, he's in the fourth by the time they get down out of those turns uh, but the the two worst off or maybe three actually in this uh, s- whole situation is Poor Carlos Sainz, who scrambled his way back up to fourth position for the start of this race, is um, effectively spun by Ricardo. Uh, Ricardo goes in a little bit sharp on the first turn, has a bit of oversteer coming out of it. Uh, Sainz had left him adequate space there, but Ricardo tags him, spins him around into the gravel. Murder, she wrote. Like, there's nothing you can do ricardo because he didn't get spun but went offline was at least able to keep the car trundling over the the stones and into an escape road and rejoin the track um and while that was happening just slightly after it a couple of positions behind uh schumacher has a spin which i've watched a couple of onboards trying to see if he got tagged i don't think he did i think he just got on the throttle a little bit heavy and he ended up spinning into the uh, to the right, the other gravel side of the of that same turn. Um, if I'm wrong, let me know. But I I have watched it multiple times. I could not see him get hit by anyone. He just kind of spun around. Um, the other one that was in there, I think, was Alonso, who got hit by was it? Schum- I think it was Schumacher that crunched into w- the side of him when he went round. Yeah, yeah. 
Alonso took avoiding action and got uh, his side pod hit, which seemed to be fine in the moment, but over the course of the next couple of laps, um, basically it was just like a like a burst dam. This tiny hole just got bigger and bigger and bigger until he's driving down the straight on the second or third lap with Hamilton, and we get this crazy onboard of the side of his car just popping off. Basically, it's like when you see videos of like the housing of a like jet engine just like ripping apart uh in midair and like yeah. it's still working but like just the cowl completely shreds uh it was it was similarly dramatic like you blink and it's just gone um yeah, it was cool to see the inside i was like was. oh that's what they looked like there was, you got a little <laughs> yeah. cutaway view of uh the inside of car but apparently they're not built to tolerate that and so the minute that thing was exposed it was like well that's that's the that's the day done um you know, I guess you can't you can't patch the skin uh, that way, and you can't drive with those components open to the air uh, with objects flying into them. So uh, that's 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 day done. Yeah, he retired around lap seven. Uh, but yeah, as you said, Danny, it seems to me like the the first three cars on the left side, the stage left, camera right of the grid, uh, got a great start. So that's Verstappen, Perez, and Norris. Uh, into third place although that doesn't last very long because uh, Leclerc closes up and passes him down the main straight on lap eight Uh, it should be noted that due to the wet conditions race control does not activate DRS for a while yeah Um, I I, I, did you see the interview after the fact on the post-race show on their F1 channel with Vettel about this Uh, Jean Lacey was asking Vettel about it and he was saying look the lack of uh, DRS helped us ultimately. So, you know, take that into account because uh, we didn't want people being able to overtake us. We were slightly out of position for a lot of this race in a positive way. But he said um, he wasn't at all surprised that they hadn't opened the DRS. And he gave a bunch of different reasons for it. Um, but one of the reasons he was talking about was that the makeup of Imola itself. He's like, Imola is a track that we know that it looks like it's dry but because of the the style of um, tarmac that's here or whatever, um, right underneath that level, it's there's still water. It's like rough, and you it like hmm. so it like the cars pull up the water or whatever. I'm not quite sure, but he was like, yeah, due to the makeup of Imola and um, the safety considerations, he was like not at all surprised that it took them so long to to release DRS. And he referenced some other race as well that was like it was similar to X. I'm not, I forget which one it was. So yeah, maybe that's why it, it, we only heard right near the end when just when they opened DRS is when you started to hear some of the drivers complaining about it. Um, so I think maybe that's why the, 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 yeah. they had deeper understanding of it somehow. It opened about halfway through, through the race, lap 34. And a racefans.net article uh, has a quote from Albon who surmises that the they didn't want to turn it on too early because that is what Russell claimed happened last year when ah. he and Botas collided there. Right, um, okay. So you can't have it both ways. Yeah. Well, it is. it does force drivers out into damper parts of the track at higher speeds and then braking zones that are slightly yeah, earlier. So I can see... I was kind of like I understood like everyone's like it looks it looks like it's perfectly good for it but I was thinking like especially after qualifying every single mistake that happens here is a red flag pretty much <laughs> like right. every like and <laughs> yeah. it is the nature of DRS that it is changing your entry speed at key corners um it is changing the like characteristics of the car uh when when that flap is open and when it's like snapping shut uh so I I actually 
did have a degree of sympathy for the race direction uh, holding off on throwing it open. Um, also, like, it didn't entirely fix the issue. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. The, yeah. It, what, it turns out it was not DRS that was making overtaking so hard. It is that, uh, like, like, specifically, there was that huge train of cars in, like, the middle toward the back of the running order that could not pass each other uh, because before DRS was open, it appeared that they just couldn't get the DRS run to, to execute these overtakes. But once DRS was open, because they were all kind of glommed together, uh, they were all running with DRS. And I can't remember who was at the front of the train. They was were it all Yuki? defending. Yeah. It, it, it felt like they were also in maybe reverse order. <laughs> so they were all perhaps more worried about the threat behind than they were in front so there was a lot of like gobbling ahead to get drs so that they could defend like hamilton was stuck at the back of that thing right and and then just nobody had like the only place where people were getting uh the the good run was at the end of like that main straight but nobody seemed to like a lot of times like there's somebody whose engine just is a little bit better or something and has got the horses to do it this you could set your watch by it but i think it was most painful for hamilton uh as as he was trying to overtake what was gasly mm-hmm. um where for the entire race for the entire race yeah and you could set your watch by it every lap because he would see the window sort of cracking open toward the end of that straight he would pull out he would lose the slipstream and first it was like you'd see him hitting a wall it was like a resting wire on a on a carrier and two he just ran out of space and would have to break for the corner and wasn't able to do the late break to do the overtake. And that seemed to be a pretty common issue uh, with with this running. Well, I, to play devil's advocate again, uh, I was shocked though. Before the DRS um, opened, we saw overtakes in parts of the track I was not expecting yes. at all. Yes. So at lap twelve, was it Russell got past Magnussen? Um, into fifth, but they sort of like made a wobble of it, and then Magnuson got past him, and then Russell overtook at Varianta Alta, which was like, oh, okay, I didn't know you could do that, and that was a Mercedes overtaking a Haas, and you know Hamilton was also in a Mercedes, so it wasn't as if his car just was like specifically maybe it was bad wow. behind Gasly, wow. and then right like after Rosberg that, right now, what'd you say? You're sounding like Nico Rosberg right now. A little, yeah, a little bit. His commentary was very funny. Um, and then Bottas did the same thing to Magnussen at, I think it was Rivazza right at the end. Yeah, like so, so people were overtaking in yes. spots. So yes. like, I, I agree. Like, and Hamilton definitely had his race completely like stunted by that DRS train, but also other people were doing it. No, and, and I do think, like, as we've often seen, when DRS isn't open, drivers start exploring those other options. Yeah, I was floored when uh, Variante Alta became, like, an overtaking spot, because I was like, okay, I didn't know that was going to work, but they were they were great at, making it work. Yeah. Um, Nico Rosberg's commentary was hysterical, because it did appear that they brought him on specifically this weekend to be the schadenfreude, like, correspondent 
It was Nico. <laughs> what can you tell us about how much shit uh, Lewis Hamilton is eating right now? Oh man, he must be so angry, guys. He's he's having such a terrible race. He can't pa- get past Gasly. Oh, he's trying again. He just can't do it. That's the twentieth time this has happened. And meanwhile, Russell's doing it, really well, though. Russell's in the same car. <laughs> Remember, Russell. What a great job Russell is doing. It is it is Rosberg at his most, just exercising whatever those demons are about his time as Hamilton's teammate, uh, and just like gleeful at watching Hamilton getting shown up by his teammate and also just like being mired uh in the gutter of of the running order which did seem to be bothering the shit out of Hamilton. Uh you know, we saw after qualifying there was some sort of clash between him and Toto Wolf. Uh they sort of downplayed, but he's unable to mask his frustration with the car. But and MK made a made a point to me while we were watching this race. So Russell is getting more out of the car. And, you know, she pointed out, like, when's the last time Hamilton drove a real shit car versus Russell? And the mm. answer is, like, Russell has only basically, maybe until, like, last year, driven shit cars in F1 and probably has, like, a better, like, there's that whole thing of, like, drivers need to know where the edge is and where the limit is. Yeah. And Hamilton's driven really predictable, mannerly cars for the most part for for a number of years russell's driven williams cars that like drivers were complaining were just like completely unpredictable and barely drivable and to a degree like that is the guy you appear to need in this year's mercedes this year's car yeah yeah Yeah. good point uh well before drs opens the uh, the top four, and before the pit stops, looks like this. Perez, uh, I'm sorry, Verstappen in first, followed by Perez, then Leclerc in third, um, and then Norris in fourth. Ricardo is running in the back mm. after that front wing change he had to do, uh, and is the first to go on to slick tires on the drying track, uh, followed by a handful of others in the midfield. But on lap 19, Perez is the first of the top four to take slicks. Leclerc then follows suit on the following lap, and despite a slower pit stop, comes out ahead of Perez, likely due to Perez's uh, outlap being compromised by cold tires on a damp track. But now it is Leclerc's turn to have cold tires, and Perez gets him pretty easily into that first chicane. Yeah, it's a new dynamic, isn't it? We're used to seeing that first lap be the sort of reset, uh, but it's not. It's the it's it's the second. It's it's the the lap when they're both on track i guess like because you said like those those that first lap out of the pits on these with these cars and these tires mm-hmm. just does not get them up to speed so it was interesting to see like like he was coming out and i was like oh no he lost position and then oh no he like easily got back position right. because of how how difficult those those tires are yeah also around that time alpine gets dinged for an unsafe release into hamilton in the pit yeah. lane earning Ocon a five second penalty he said after the race this quote from autosport that when he came out of the pit box he had to go wider than he expected because an airline was in his path hmm. uh, i don't think it would not have a not a jumbo it. jet but a um <laughs> those those hoses that drop down from the the gantry above the pit box that power the 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 wheel guns uh, apparently he said he had to avoid one um and uh and almost crunched into hamilton but yeah he got a five second penalty for that yeah not um, great that, that didn't help hamilton's cause it just just yeah rough rough weekend completely for his side of the garage yeah i, I think the big pass for me on this race happened around this time on lap 41 
Verstappen lapping Lewis Hamilton. Mm. Uh, and as Nico Rosberg would point out, Russell was in fifth place at the time, <laughs> while Hamilton was in 14th. Oh, boy. Oh, uh, boy. Turn the lap- screw. Also, Hamilton checked out of this race, I think, after a point. I think it was right after, like, he, well, you know, honestly, he, he was sandbagging a little bit. He backed way off to let Verstappen buy him, and I was like, wow, he's just letting Gasly drive away. And then, like, as Verstappen's doing the pass, tried one last time to, like, snap up behind him and get within, like, that tenth, uh, and still couldn't do it. But, uh, yeah, you, you'd sense just the... Uh, the the lack of patience and interest uh, in this one. I wonder. We'll talk about it later. I don't want to get ahead of myself with the porpoising, but I do wonder if the porpoising has anything to do with this as well. Where you've got, especially with regards yeah. to yeah. like the youth, the the age difference here as well. But we'll talk about that after. Uh, lap forty eight, nearing the end here. Sonoda yeah. gets by Magnuson into the first chicane for eighth place. Uh, Haas just not looking so good in the races after being pretty stellar in that No, and that's, that qualifying. And that's worrying because that was their pattern. When things began to go yeah. bad for them, remember, they had good qualifying pace <clears throat> and then their running pace would just steadily like sort of go away from them. And that appears to be in the cards again. And that's, you know, ideally you want qualifying pace to kind of predict running pace, but sometimes you can like build cars um that don't wear in well over the course of a GP. And I, I am a little bit concerned that as good as this host looks at moments, um, where it is finishing in the running order is more indicative of like what's going on with that car. It's still finishing higher though. Oh yeah. <laughs> it's, I mean, like the it's, same, it's like the same problem, but they're at least the basement. They're <laughs> qualifying yeah. in yeah. fourth or whatever, you know? Yeah. Uh, up at the front, Leclerc is still chasing down Perez um, for second place, flirting with DRS range, went on lap 53 too much of a curb into turn 14 and wipes out hitting the wall he does manage to rejoin the track but has to pit to change his front wing coming out in ninth place behind kevin magnuson yeah keller just just a mistake that's it just took the too much sausage curb too much sausage on the on the pasta yeah it was a it was a particularly like it looks to me like it it looks like he just completely misjudges the angle too because that's not like it looks like he's it looks like he is making his he's starting his turn too early to try and like straighten out the chicane which you know we've all done it in like racing games and shit where it's like you know be faster here just going in a straight line rather than making either of these turns singapore sling kind of stuff yeah (laughs) but these curbs are so high and you can sort of see the way like they just perfectly are set up to launch the car yeah um but like the thing is, like, it's been like this for a while. Like, you should know that these curbs are not... These are not the curbs that, like, Michael Schumacher yeah. was abusing in, like, the late 90s, right? Like, these are these are pretty fearsome things, uh, especially the under tray. And the minute he launched it, um, you know, you can't you can't bring the car back under control uh, when when you got most of your wheels off the ground. Uh, it was yeah, it was a really it was a really bad moment. Um, it was yeah. his first mistake of the year, I think. You know, because uh, like I, he said in interviews afterwards, yeah, he was just pushing really hard. He was trying to catch up to Perez, and just yeah, misjudged it. Like knew he wasn't supposed to put the car there, but was just trying, like you said, to cut that angle as much as you can, and. Yeah, like you said, the 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 the, the gate. Or what is it? Not the gate. What do you call the space between the car and the and the the rake? The rake of these cars yeah. is not going to let you get away with one of those no. on this. And I think maybe something else that's sort of landing for me this year is 
there is a cycle. I think I think there is a psychological like benefit from like winning that championship and getting that like crossing that monkey off, off your, your back or like, whatever. Yeah, when Verstappen yeah. was like, I have nothing left to prove. I don't. You know, that may not be true for us who are like you know watchers of the sport, but like. After, you know, there have been so few world drivers champions in F1. Yeah. Uh, to an extent, everything after that is kind of gravy. And Max looks completely in command, uh, nice. you know, during these race weekends. Dude, Rosberg became a YouTuber after he did. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I mean? It's like Leclerc, for all his promise and all his pace he shows, hasn't like he has not proven himself this is, in that no, way. And this is the this is the moment, right? Right. And is making He's taking those the chances. He's back in the stands. You've got, you know, and same as Max did, especially when his car was just starting to come into focus as a serious competitor. Mm. You know, you start trying. You you probably start trying to force it in places you just don't need to. And I feel like, uh, you know, in the last year or so, Max is still a very sharp elbow driver, but I do feel like he is not forcing things uh, as no. as much, and especially this year. And I think that's gonna that's probably his competitive advantage against the Ferraris this year. Um, you know, Bonato is making a comment. Uh Sainz needs to get used to the fact of the pressure of driving a front running car. Um it's yeah. a different world once you, you know that you're in like the best one or two cars on the grid. And that's a different place than like being a very bright driver in an over who is overperforming in a McLaren. And Leclerc has as much as the like psychological pressure he has, signs right now has had a mixture of bad qualities on his part bad qualities because of circumstances ending up in the gravel because he yep. made a mistake so on his part and ending up in, in the gravel because of bad circumstances so like they are leaving points on the table here and yeah. some of it's his fault some of it's not but that's just going to make it even harder for him to like well you, you know, gotta be terrified you're making it easy for them to say like we need to prioritize charles now in every situation yeah and like he's got the he got the contract so at least as that yeah has ended you but know, you don't want it to but, be ruben's contract right like no, that's that's no, the thing you don't you're right you do not yeah well uh just ahead of uh leclerc as he comes out of the pits, sunoda goes for another pass this time on vettel and gets it done into the first chicane for sixth place uh great to see sunoda not only keeping yeah. his nose clean this year but making moves yeah he's fi- finishing really school is over <laughs> that's right <laughs> maybe we'll see yeah uh, it, is, it is crazy you know, how many guys on the grid uh have gone through the the tossed uh finishing school but right. um yeah you know in the in the wake of that too with leclerc spinning around you know, norris sort of inheriting uh that podium spot but uh it was also cool seeing valtteri start to if valtteri had not had his, another cursed fucking pit stop where a wheel seizes yeah. as they're trying yeah. to remove that's it right he is in fourth place, maybe battling for third in this yeah. race. Um, and I, this whole weekend, I was thinking, like, man, what a charmed fucking development in his career. Like, he lost his job <laughs> just as that job started to suck. It's amazing. Like, man. he's in it's a wild. good car. He's in a good car. And people were yeah. like, man, Valtteri, yeah. like, really, really doing stuff with that, with that Alfa Romeo. And... He almost became a YouTuber. <laughs> like, no, you know what? I'll do one more year. I can't imagine any worse than a Valtteri Botas uh, YouTube channel. Like, I can. Put, you, you put the SATA cable in here. He's just building computers. Okay, well now Twitch. I'm in. Now, no, sorry, now yeah. I'm all, now I'm all in. It's just like really dry uh, in, instructional videos. But yeah, this, like Val, Valtteri got punted out of Mercedes just as the Mercedes became an inferior car. And now he's got a two-year contract uh, with yeah. what appears to be a better car running a better engine. If only Danny Ricardo had the same sort of career look. I mean, uh, anyway, 
This did um, become the Sonoda and Leclerc show, though, these last laps. Yeah, so Leclerc does get by Magnussen uh, on lap 56 into 8th place, then gets by Vettel three laps later for 7th, and finally another three laps later by Sonoda for 6th, uh, all on the main straight. And that's where he'll be for the end of the race as Verstappen takes a commanding victory in front of Ferrari's home crowd, and it should be said Alpha Tauri's. Uh, yes. But the rest of the podium, Sergio Perez in second, and Lando Norris in third, who, as you said, Rob, took over third place after Leclerc spun out. George Russell held off Botas in an Alfa Romeo, uh, which continues to be a really interesting fight this season, George Russell versus Valtteri Botas. Valtteri Botas said after the race he was having a great time, which is good. good. Love to hear that. Nice. Good for him. He finishes fifth. Charles Leclerc in sixth. Yuki Tsunoda in seventh. Sebastian Vettel in eighth. Kevin Magnussen in ninth. And Lance Stroll in tenth. Double points for Aston, who had zero coming into this weekend. Everyone has points now, right? That's right. Mm. Alex Albon in the Williams uh, comes home in 11th, followed by Pierre Gasly, uh, who (laughs) did spend the entire race fending off Lewis Hamilton, who comes home in 13th. Uh, Esteban Ocon in 14th, Zhou Yu in 15th, then Nicholas Latifi, Mick Schumacher, and Daniel Ricciardo, last of the runners with Fernando Alonso and Carlos Sainz, DNFs. Can I... Stappen uh, got past his lap. There's... Uh, I feel like there's so much going on this year that there are so many stories that we do not have time to talk about on this podcast today. Maybe we'll talk about them next week. First of all, McLaren. What the... What happened? Because they are, they had, they were absolutely in pieces at the start of the season, and Ricardo was obviously not helped their cause. But they were third, not you know, maybe they were fourth on pace, but they were they're up there. They're doing incredibly. Yuki Tsunoda blasting his teammates by five positions or something. Yeah, like incredible. Alexander Albon habitually dancing with points every mm-hmm. week in that Williams. Um. I, like the the rebirth of Alonso, I guess this is maybe not a great weekend for her because he, he didn't finish. But like seeing Fernando in the fight, what is Dude, like? There's so much happening this it year. It feels like Alonso. The conversation would be completely different if the luck were running better for him. Um, yes, like yes, he would be he would be sitting on a pretty decent haul of points uh, here if things just didn't keep going uh, wrong for him in that car. Uh, but like it, like it it feel like. Uh, Alpine feels like a team where there's like bunches of points that are going to fall their way uh, as soon as they they stop rolling snake eyes uh, on race weekends. Yeah, yeah, and, and we we said as well at the start of the season, Magnussen and Schumacher will be an interesting sort of like uh, you know bellwether or or, or, or watermark for to, to judge uh, Schumacher off of, and you're just seeing how well Kevin's. It, it's there's so much cool stuff happening this year. It's it's fascinating and and it's so dynamic and. Yeah, I think this midfield fight. I mean, the front top fight at the top could be very interesting as well, and hopefully it continues to be. But like this, the re- the rest of the pack is just like couldn't t- like take bets now. Well, I I wonder how close we'd be by the end of the year. Yeah. Uh, well, let's take it to the points standings here in the drivers' championship. Charlotte Claire is still on top with eighty six points, but what was a forty point gap to Verstappen is now twenty seven. Mm. As Verstappen moves up into second place, jumping four places. He's now got 59 points. Sergio Perez moves up a spot into third with 54 points. George Russell loses two spots and is now in fourth with 49. 
Uh, then we've got Carlos Sainz in fifth with 38. Lando Norris in sixth with 35. Lewis Hamilton is in seventh place with uh, 28 points. Uh, just ahead of his old teammate, Valtteri Bottas, who's got 24. <laughs> Esteban Ocon is in ninth with 20 points. Kevin Magnussen in 10th with 15. Wow. Wow. Halfway up the charts in a Haas. <clears throat> Daniel Ricciardo is in 11th with 11 points. Just ahead of Yuki Tsunoda, who moves up a spot above uh, in front of his teammate. Um, he's got 10 points in 12th place. Pierre Gasly just behind with 6 points. Sebastian Vettel is on the board in 14th place with 4 points. And we've got Fernando Alonso with two. Zhou Guanyu in a three-way tie with uh, Alex Albon and Lance Stroll, who's on the board. They all have one point. And then we've got Mick Schumacher, Nicholas Latifi, and one Nico Hulkenberg with zero points. In the constructor standings, Ferrari is on top with 124 to Red Bull's 113. Mercedes is in a somewhat distant third with 77 points. Then McLaren in fourth with 46. Alfa Romeo's in fifth with 25. Wow. Uh, Alpine in sixth with 22. Alfa Tauri's got 16. Gene Haasen team in eighth with 15 points. And I'm just, that's a double... You know, two two numbers, one five for Haas. Now that they have uh, in the previous two seasons, they got three points. Wow, combined, so, combined three last year, zero the year before. <laughs> uh, Aston Martin's in ninth with five points, and Williams is back in tenth place with one. Nice. Let's take it to the news. News. And uh, Danny, why don't you kick this off? Speaking of porpoising. Yeah. You've been our porpoising correspondent this year. <laughs> no, yeah. Ever since I watched that Vox video on on sled sports and micro concussions. Yeah, Russell not talking about micro concussions, but uh said he was fighting off chest pains and back pains. In fact, uh he said at one stage during one of the post-race interviews that uh, it took his breath away while he was on the radio on the back str- uh, on the front straight. Um <laughs> the only straight. Uh, uh speaking uh after the race, this is from Racing News 365. Um I think the car in the right window and the tires in the right uh in the right window the car, except for the bouncing, feels really good to drive. The, the bouncing really takes your breath away. It's the most extreme I've ever felt it. I really hope we find a solution. I hope every team who's struggling with the bouncing finds a solution because it's not sustainable for drivers to continue with this level. Um, this is the first weekend I've been truly struggling with my back and almost chest pains uh, from Oof. the severity of the bouncing, but it's just what we have to do to get the fastest times out of the car. And I think that's like an important part of this, which we talked about at the start of the season, is that like the, the teams are part of the conversation here. There is a world in which Ferrari and Mercedes, who seem to be the ones struggling with the most extreme levels of this, could ratchet it back, but it is at the cost of performance um so you know i do wonder how much of an issue this is going to be we're we're not used to like chronic issues health issues in f1 maybe as much as we are the safety of these very particular violent crashes that happen um this idea of there being sort of a a, a more um you know subtle but continuous health risk to the drivers is maybe not something we're super familiar with. But I do wonder if like this continues and we keep having drivers complaining at a certain 
point is is there a stage where f1 steps in and says like you're you just can't like you, you can't put drivers through this and it is the regulations obviously but it's not one size fits all because other teams are not having these problems and two of the teams that are having the worst problems are the ones that are trying to push their cars to win the championship so you know i i do wonder as well if hamilton who's you know in his mid-30s now whether or not this type of thing is more difficult for him or maybe his body shape or his height or whatever it is is more or less um you know maybe he he's just not you know he's been driving f1 a long time and he's not i'm too old for this shit kind of you know what i mean like psychologically yeah. i don't know brutal. but like it's bad it's really bad and russell's obviously going to bite down on the mouth guard because he's in the car he's been trying to get in his entire life um but i do wonder how like annoying and painful it must be after these races um to have to sit through that well stuff. it's the it's the real lousy situation of nobody's gonna want to like because this touches on car performance and some teams got it more right and some teams didn't the nobody is going to want to say like we need to back off uh car setups to like mitigate this because some teams are benefiting uh from this arrangement and some are not but i do think like so ferrari's competing at the front but the ferrari looks punishing to drive uh, i think yeah. red bull's the only team i feel like has ended up with a reasonably mannerly uh car under these regulations but like you you watch the in cars the ferrari drivers they also seem like they're being jerked up and down on a string uh as they as they whip along straights um <clears throat> and yeah the, the mercedes looks looks utterly horrible um and and so i do think like you know we're what this is round five um you know is it is it four or five i think it's five four i think it's four. this was this was four okay so uh, but yeah, we've barely begun uh, yeah. I just, I, I, I do, I share your worry over like what this does over the period of a season. Uh, if these teams are, cause right now, like Mercedes is like, no, we're going to fix it. We need to get to the bottom of it. And it's like, well, you do for two reasons, you know, one, obviously your car sucks, but two, it does seem like it is shredding drivers. Uh, and yeah, I don't imagine like know a, how this unfolds over long exposure. Yeah, it's a good thing it's not like a double header as well might be particularly grueling for them. So, you know, later in the season or, yeah, like you said, maybe this is something that goes away in five more races and we, we never hear about it again. Um, or maybe it ain't. And we start to hear more complaints about this sort of stuff. You know, it's uh, it's rough, rough out there. Um, You know, it's not rough is... Oh? Is is the broadcast rights of W series? That's what's uh, that's that's pretty I beg to smooth. <laughs> you don't you don't think? Okay, well, let's dive on into it. W into series it. has signed a deal, uh, a multi year deal, an agreement, if you will, uh, with uh, with Sky Sports for broadcast rights in, I guess, the UK and also I think in Italy with Sky Sports Italia. Um, which basically means that for the next uh, three seasons, I want to say, um, they have broadcasting rights to the races. Channel 4 will continue to have highlight packages. Um, but uh, it's it's the first sort of like big media buy in relation to W Series, which, of course, we've been covering since the start. Those early races where they were duct tape and stringing those broadcasts together and trying their best and David Coulthard hosting and you know now they're in a spot where they're basically you know at one of the 
sister series is so to speak uh for f1 the season is starting at the next race weekend in miami um the next uh the 2010 race w series for 2022 and yeah if you're in uh if you're in the uk it's going to be broadcast on the sky sports f1 channel which i think is is a really good you know i think in many ways it'll platform it'll give it an, an authenticity or a you know put it in front of the right people in another way it does put it behind a paywall in which channel four is not channel four is a um a nationally owned uh channel in the uk and it's if you have a tv license you can get access to it including its vod service so it does do that um but uh yeah I, I, if nothing else it's an injectment an injectment of capital into the series and it does sort of give it a pristine uh or sheen which i think would be very advantageous certainly when it comes to sponsorship and stuff like that but also um you know, it's uh it's kind of like a what would you say, a, a, a pat on the back or like a I don't know. I'm 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 struggling for the phrase, but it's a it's a, like an indictment of it or a, like a you know, it it's sort of authentic fuck I can't think of the word. I know, I, I yeah, I'm yeah. I'm with you. Uh legitimizes it. Legitimizes it, thank you, yeah. in a way. For for way. you know, for people who it hadn't legitimized for I guess yes, because I think for many of us it's it's a legitimate yeah. um, racing series the only issue is is jamie chadwick should not be in it she should be in f2 or f3 it's the whole point the whole point yes. of this thing is to is to get those drivers um into into re, you know into i would say real seats but like seats that existed before w series which yeah. was the reason w series was made you, you know, were just checking not, the uh the american broadcast right do you know yes. Still if that has BN, changed at all no being sports, sports uh yeah. Uh, yes, the WC's website has the best where to watch section in the history of motorsports. If you, they have every single Canada has it on TSN, or if you want the French version, RDS. Um, I just, yeah. I, I struggle to see how, aside from you know, I guess the legitimacy factor and uh, maybe a cash deal for being on Sky Sports, that this is good for viewership because it is behind a paywall. Uh, and Channel 4, at least in the UK, where I imagine most of their audience is, was free to air. So, But most of the F1 audience has Sky. And Sky has very high, like, permeation in the UK. Like, it is... Yeah, I guess it, I don't know what is. Sky it's Channel where, is like, because it, it has a whole bunch of stuff, right? It would be the equivalent of cable, basically, where, like, you have regular television or do you have Sky? <laughs> and there's other okay. ones as well, like BT Sport and stuff like that. But Sky is basically the sort of uh, the the kingmaker of many sports. It's how the Premier League sort of burst into people's houses when they had multiple sports channels. Um, it's it's the big kahuna when it comes right. to sport. And if nothing else, people who watch F1, because Channel 4 used to have F1 as well. I mean, that's where you watched F1 and, you know... Yeah. Uh, BBC, it's been on non-paid subscriptions, but if nothing else, at least it's going to where the current F1 audience is. Um, I think they. Get, one of my worries is that like Sky's F1 YouTube channel is like pretty terrible. Like they, I think they're right now they have like the latest videos like eleven days old or something. They, as opposed to we used to laugh about the Formula One YouTube channel. Do you remember when it had like oh yeah a hundred thousand subscribers and they've never put yeah, anything up Bernie there? Eccleston and now area. Yeah, and now it's got like I, don't, I couldn't tell you like millions of subs and and every video does like millions of views or that. But um, so that's one worry that I have is that like 
kind of like Formula E gets lost in the wash a little bit and suddenly you can't get access to the races at all, um, which is not what W Series needs either. But like what W Series needs is for these women to get actual, you know, to progress to the next, to get their super license points and to get into the next tier. And ultimately, if that doesn't happen, then what's this been for? You know what I mean? And not all of them will and not all of them can graduate to that next level. It's the same as F2 or F3, but just not seeing even a dominant champion in Jamie Chadwick getting and someone who's very yeah. marketable who yeah. like is who is from a country with a huge you know she has everything there and still can't do it and you're like come on like yeah. at a certain point W series is doing all the work and no one else is you know so yeah hopefully this is this is good for them yeah um a, a couple more quick hits here Carlos Sainz signs a 2 year extension for Ferrari so he'll be at the team until the end of 2024. Uh, and we've got uh, some news, probably will be more news this week uh, or in, in the following weeks because the F1 commission is meeting in London this week on Tuesday. Um, yeah, <laughs> is that your London sound? Oh, yes, oh, yes. The commission. Yeah, so that's, yes. that's Formula One management and the FIA. Uh, meeting to discuss things such as the 2026 engine regulations. Mm. Um, sounds like some engine stuff might come earlier if uh, if they deem it uh, safe, but the 2026 is the next big engine change. Um, and the sort of specter of uh, the Volkswagen group uh, looking to enter Formula One. I think they're kind of just hovering over there, making sure like, yeah, you better you make it make it cheaper, make it even cheaper, and then we'll come in. Um, we need to the, talk about Jerry this meeting. They're trying to invade our, our, our precious racing series. <laughs> uh, but the big thing on the on the table, um, in the near term at least, is these old sprint races. Mm. Uh, they want to put six in the calendar, and they need a vote to do it. Um, apparently, half of the teams are need a need a yes vote. Um, we need uh, five of uh, of the ten uh, for this to pass, and it sounds like some of the teams are on board. Um, for as uh, Matteo Bonato, team principal of Ferrari, says, uh, we're in favor. I have to say because we believe that overall it will give in the future good opportunities and better opportunities for the show and for the revenues. So I think it is right to support uh, Ross Braun, the uh, uh, sporting director of Formula One. Uh, confirmed that the budget cap allowance will be scaled in line with the number of sprint races. Mm. This from uh, racefans.net. Each sprint has an allowance, he said. At the moment, it's three times the allowance. Next year, it will be six times the allowance. So nothing uh, in effect is, is changing on the cost side for multiple races. So of course, why not? Just pick the right races. Don't do it because they give you the most money at the venues. Like, please. Oh, why do you think they do that, Danny? I don't know. Why do they have a race in Vegas? Why do we have a race on the beautiful marina of the Hard Rock Stadium in Miami? (laughs) (laughs) Ah, well, speaking of the beautiful arena, our fantasy league is keeping on, keeping on. If you'd like to join, you can use the link in the show notes. Let's go to the top three from Imola. In third place, uh, Antti from Finland. Mick and Kev's excellent host venture. Uh, second place from Canada, Ryan uh, Horner's Borner. 
Oh. And from America, Ooh. in first, from Imola, Sean's team, Get Lance Strolled. Get Lance. Lance. Okay, I will. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Here we go. Overall season standings from Canada. Michael's team, Leo Speed, is in third. And then we have a tie. Whoa. That's right. Uh, between, uh, I believe this is from Venezuela, Simas. Bu- Simas's team, Bull Bullial. Bullial? It's probably really some sort here. of racist term in Venezuelan. Or oh, it means we love you, Pastor Maldonado. Oh, yeah, it could be. Uh, and also tied for first place from Norway. Boy, they used to they used to do a hover text thing on the, oh, yeah. on the flags here. The flags, yeah. So I'm sorry if I'm getting your countries wrong. I like to think <laughs> I know these flags, but I don't. It's hard when it's the colored ones with the X's. There, there's a lot of them in Europe. <laughs> kind of... Yes. Uh, Ole. Ole's team, Il Tempo Gigante, Formula Flaclipa. Cool. And that the A in there has a little <laughs> circle over it, so I have zero idea how to pronounce it's, that. It's probably an incredibly funny piece of Norwegian wordplay that we just don't... <laughs> there you go. <laughs> we can't pick up on. Thank you uh, all. Yeah, thank you all. Well you done. can also join our email inbox, um, shiftf1podcast at gmail.com or <laughs> f1.cool slash emails. We're also on Twitter. I'm uh, at Drew Scanlon. That's at Daniel Dwyer and at Rob Zachney. The podcast is at shiftf1podcast. That's us around the internet. Should we now take it around the world of racing, Danny? Let's race around the world. Oh, yeah. Well, there are a lot of race cars happening this weekend. Um, DTM is back oh, for the Portimao race. Finally, I've been waiting for months. It's felt awful. Uh, Formula E is in Monaco this weekend. Terrific. The NASCAR Xfinity Series is at uh, the Dover <coughs> Motor Speedway. Excuse me, Drew. Uh, this is the Xfinity Series. Oh, sorry. Oh, sorry. We're regular people for that. Yes, 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 yeah. of course. Yes. Uh, the, the, the Xfinity Series, which is like NASCAR 2, <laughs> um, NASCAR Formula 2, uh, they're racing the A-Game 200. A-Game. Bring your A-Game. What's A-Game? Alligator Spray. uh the supercars are racing the bunnings trade perth super night race at wanneroo raceway (laughs) i was defeated you won the war could you say that in an australian accent wanneroo wanneroo raceway uh we got moto gp on sunday at the circuito de jerez for the grand primo de españa love a jerez um, the WeatherTech Sports Car Championship is at Laguna Seca this weekend in beautiful Salinas, California. What does Seca mean? I'm guessing Laguna means lagoon. I don't know. Will I look it up? I'm going to look it up. All right. Uh, IndyCar is at Barber Motorsports Park for the Grand Prix of Alabama this Sunday. And we got NASCAR. Oh, my. Oh, yeah. You betcha. That the Dover Motor Speedway for the... Duramax Dradine 400 presented by Relidine. Ooh, if you want to last late into the night, get Duramax. From Relidine, which sounds like they make Terminators. (laughs) 
Uh, Laguna Seca is Spanish for dry lagoon. Ooh, okay. Dry, dry dean. Mm. To dry dean 400. Lagoon, Dover. My darling dry dean. <laughs> Wanneroo. Wanneroo. <laughs> My favorite Wanneroo song. Is Australian okay. for Wanneroo. Uh, well, thanks for rooing with us <laughs> this week. Uh, we're, final we're, thoughts. We have, we have one, another one week gap. We'll be back next week for our, our pre-race show of Miami. Welcome to Miami. Been man. Miami, Miami, I don't know the Spanish part of that, but I hope Will Smith's there. Punching people. <laughs> uh, Danny, final thoughts on Imola. <laughs> Final thoughts on Imola. Um, I, can I just say, I, I really love Imola. This is maybe the worst. I always complain. I am a habitual complainer about the Canadian Grand Prix in the middle of the European calendar whiplash. I think Imola to Miami feels weirder. That's like a very, that's a, because we're going to go Imola, Miami, and then back to uh, to Spain. Um, and then we don't have a double header until the end of the month. Or we're, mm. we're at Spain Monaco. So it's it's kind of a and then we're going to Baku. So oh boy. yeah, it's it's a bit all over the place. Um I want another double header. I don't I don't know what happened that we got so many of these individual races at the start of the season, considering it's gonna be double header heaven later on. But um yeah, we'll see. I'm very interested in Miami. It looks ridic- ridiculous. Yeah. Uh final thoughts, Rob. Yeah, I uh like the season remains in a really interesting place. I think for me now, I'm just so curious what Miami's going to turn out to be. Uh, I am, I am expecting disaster. Uh, not like bad disaster, but like I just don't. I like this has all the earmarks of an ill-conceived event, and I think it's going to be in really sharp relief uh, to what you get <laughs> at a flawed but classic track like Imola uh, versus F1s get to major venues at all costs uh, approach to uh, rolling out new events. Yeah. You know, I just realized that uh, the little boat park in there is its own Laguna Sega. Oh my God. The La- we were the Laguna Sega all along. If you'd like to support the show and get access to all of our bonus episodes and the official Shift F1 Discord, you can do so over at patreon.com slash Shift F1. Have a good race weekend, everyone. We will see you all next week. Meow.